1: A, a, a
0: grain, all right. A, a grain, all right. It's going to tip the scale. Just remember like that. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into
2: the game. Listen, back to Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer Oshin McConville, and by the former Dublin footballer and coach Jason Sherlock. Jason, you're going to have to be gentle today. Uh, There's an Armagh man who's very tender, and an awfully man who's uh, not much better. Uh, But thank you very
1: much for joining us. Did you see? um, Did you watch Donegal Armagh? I did I did um I, there was a lot of sport on obviously it was very uh... It feels very early in the year, but obviously with the good weather and the good weekend, you certainly got that flavour of of championship football. And um, yeah, there, was, there were some great games and obviously we'll go into detail about a few, but I suppose my, my, my kind of reflection I had on the weekend, um, like for every Donegal, there's an Armagh, for every Wexford, there's an Offaly, for every uh, Wicklow, there's a Leash. It's such a shame. And I, I think it reinforces that idea about a league championship format, because like, whatever the results the the scoreboard isn't the only judge of success and each and every one of those teams had put in the same amount of effort to prepare and and perform yesterday and for some teams it didn't and it's just a shame that a lot of those teams now will be judged by either a great win or a bad loss and I suppose there's something in that to unlock and unravel but uh, certainly from a a sporting perspective as a supporter it was great to see uh, championship football.
2: Oh, Shane, that point is interesting, isn't it, that there's a huge amount of effort gone in. I was listening to Charlotte Burns on Radio today yesterday evening and he was talking about the enormous efforts that had been made in Armagh to prepare for this season. And it looks like a huge amount of work was done in the autumn and early winter and into the thing and they t- the, hit the ground running in the league and they looked really flat yesterday.
0: Yeah, they did, and, and that's a good point. I think you know I was saying to you, Paul, a couple of weeks ago that um, in GA, it's 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 quite simple. Um, the way we set the bar, it's um, if you win the game, you're great, and if you lose, <laughs> you're awful, and there's no real uh, sense of what's going on in between. Uh, I I just feel as if maybe I'm I'm too close to the armor thing, you know, in that. I, I do see a lot of I still see a lot of positives in you know in, in what has been going on. Uh I haven't thought about the match. Uh, it took me an hour and forty minutes to travel to Bali Buffet yesterday and it took me three hours and twenty minutes to come home. I was in the car, I was on my own. Nobody really wanted to talk to me. I didn't really want to talk to them, so I wasn't on the phone and it was just I was there with my own thoughts and, and by the time I got to the house it was a lot more positive because I think uh, the nuts and bolts. I definitely think the nuts and bolts are there. I couldn't have said that in, in previous years. i um, I've had some significant wins this year, but I do understand that you have to perform on championship day, and and that's the unforgiving thing about championship football. And um, the yesterday they give themselves a, a mountain to claim. You know, by like with twenty five minutes gone, I couldn't have been any happier. It was five each. And uh, and, and Armagh weren't playing well, and I thought you know, Armagh going to have a purple patch, and they had that purple patch after half time, they had 11 minutes of complete dominance, and uh, yet Donegal had won one on the board, and we had nothing, and that sort of uh summed up you know how the game went for Armagh. But you know, there's a there's a lot in that as far as you know, it's, it's there was a sense yesterday from a lot of Armagh supporters leaving that. We hadn't done ourselves justice. It's six weeks sitting on your hands in order to to get going again, and uh, that would not be ideal as far as you know meaningful games. How many are you going to get? Um, you know, there's a there's a thing there where you probably don't want to play somebody who you could draw. Um, and and if you play Division Three, Division Four teams or in the Talton Cup, you you might not get the the run out that you want or the or the quality of the run out you want. So um, the system is not ideal, but it, it's it's what we have at the minute, and we're going to have to try and make the most of it. You know,
2: Jason Dublin, when when you were involved from twenty fifteen, onwards were brilliant at timing performances for exactly when they were needed. If you were if you were involved with our man now today, would you would you step back for a couple of weeks? Would you cut the panel loose for a couple of weeks and then come back to it because it's six weeks before they will play in the qualifiers.
1: Um, it's definitely an option. Um, obviously, not being close with it, it's hard to know what, what what it's like up there in terms of the time they're spending together or time time away. And I think regardless of what that what a decision is, because I think it, whether you win or lose, you, you obviously have to figure out when, when you need to reconvene and get back on the horse. I think um, like today, there'll be a lot of head scratching and I, I think there'll be that kind of quest for identity and it coming out of a game like that from both sides you you will try to understand your identity a bit more Um, And my observation looking at both games and like you watch Donegal and Armagh and it's quite regimental in terms of the tactics. It's quite suffocating even to watch. And then there's a little bit of contrast. Then when you watch Galway and Mayo, tactically, they might be similar, but there's just an element of a bit more freedom for whatever reason. I'm not saying that's better or worse for their performance, but just that's the perception. And I just felt from a Donegal perspective yesterday. They they had a bit more creativity about them, and um, I think they just whatever way Armagh were going to play, they had a way to to do that. Now a lot of that depends on players, and you you mentioned the Dublin team I was involved with. We had a lot of game changers. We had a lot of guys that could could win a game, and I suppose that that helps. But certainly yesterday, I just felt that Donegal had the answers to whatever the the, the challenge was. Arma have proven in the league that they have a lot of answers, and they they can provide a lot of challenges to all opposition so so to your question paul it is it's 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 about not being not being too high or too low based on the scoreboard. It's about reevaluating and seeing how you can plot to be better the next day because the reality is, as Ushin says, you don't know who you're gonna get, and the the game plan obviously that Arma put yesterday wasn't good enough to win that game, but who knows what what opposition or what tactics you might need the next day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I certainly felt that in the Galway Mayo game. I think it was the tactics to win the game, but that's not necessarily going to be the tactics they will need for their next challenge or challenges down the down the road. So, again, it, it's a really interesting part. And um, you do need teams that I suppose are comfortable with their their own identity and that they have that kind of autonomy and creativity to figure out the challenge uh, that's presented to them from day day from day. And I think the key now for all the teams that lost yesterday that this doesn't derail their season completely. You know, it's about kind of reassess and re- reflecting And as Oisin said, it, it, things aren't as bad. They're never as bad as you think they are straight after defeat. But it's what what you can take in terms of the positive stuff and what can you use then to improve your performance based on the things that didn't work well. So th-
2: that's that's right. It's fine to take the positives. But Ushin, what are the positives for Armagh from yesterday? Like, I thought Armagh were outplayed all over the field yesterday. Uh, I thought Donegal outran them. I thought they outtaught them. I thought Jason's right they created they created more chances. Are Donegal have Donegal announced themselves now as the team that you thought they were going to be over the last couple of years? Have they have they made that big step forward?
0: I'll tell you what I thought about Donegal first of all yesterday. I thought um they looked very comfortable in their own skin, they look very comfortable. Like Jason's talking about identity, they looked comfortable in the way they were going about things yesterday. Um, I I still think defensively they can be got at in a in a in a huge way, um, but they look very comfortable in the fact that that, that, that they may give up some scoring chances. And um, they look very comfortable in the fact that they they were um they were, when they pressed Armas kick out and it went fifty fifty. They seemed very comfortable that they were going to win the ball. Um and they won eight out of thirteen's uh Arma- arma's lo- out of thirteen of arma's long kickouts in the first half, and I didn't think that would be a position that Armagh were in because I thought I think Armagh have done really well in that area and um, through the league even against you know the the toughest the tougher tougher opponents even against the likes of Mayo and that I thought you know that was an area that we were quite comfortable in and yet we were cleaned out in it yesterday. So um look back to a team who. Like, if you remember the McGuinness era when they were unapologetic about the way they played, really, and and, uh, and but everybody knew exactly what their job was. That's sort of the way it felt yesterday. It was that, you know, regardless of how much armour um, were going to dominate the ball, even for the first, as I say, 10 minutes of that second half, um, regardless of, of what decisions were going to go against them, they seemed to be, as I say, comfortable in the fact that um, they were going to stick to what they knew uh, I even seen a, probably a maturity in, and I know it might be ridiculous to say, but even a mature, um, a more mature performance from the likes Murphy and McBrady, who um, probably just haven't been hitting the heights that they that they have done in previous years. Uh, but look back to the best yesterday, and uh, probably especially McBrady, because McBrady has a tendency if he's not in the game to have that to have that wild one, and and he didn't do that yesterday, and he looked, he didn't look a frustrated. Uh, that much of a frustrated figure like I have seen him in the past when he hasn't been able to come in the loop and get that shot away. Eventually, he got one towards the end, and I'm I'm pretty sure he likes one of them every game. But uh, the patience that he showed and and the maturity that he showed, um, and I thought I thought they're young lads. I thought Mogan was was uh was very good for them, gives them a huge amount of energy, and and McHugh the same, and. And if you flip that to Armagh, I think the, the one of the biggest thing for me was the, the energy levels. I didn't think the energy levels were where they, sh- they should have be at. Um, the 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 the, 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 the you feel that good, in the
2: crowd? You know, you know, you yeah. were you were you were there just for people who didn't see it. You were there on on BBC's coverage. You were in. It looked like a brilliant place to watch a, a match for him. Perfect. And you're in the middle of you're in the middle of crowd. You're with Martin McHugh and Peter Canavan. Do you chat? Do you chat together when the game is
0: going on? Yeah, we normally would if 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 it, were, if it was two teams that there was nobody had any you know uh, skin in. But obviously Martin McHugh had a son playing. I had three three nephews on the panel, so uh there's a there was a wee bit of an edge to it yesterday i suppose <laughs> uh there was a few there was a few decisions being questioned and there was a few we had a few variables between ourselves nothing that that can't be uh uh sorted out over the period of the next five or six years but um <laughs> uh, and a little bit of couples counseling but um yeah the, the thing about the thing about um the crowd beforehand was there was a serious buzz around because I had been in Corrigan Park the day before, and the crowd literally didn't come in until ten minutes before the game started. But there was a real buzz. I arrived in in Barry at eleven o'clock, and you could sense it was one of those real challenges. It was almost like as if you were in Clones. It was one of those real challenges. A lot of people had already got there; they were sitting around or having a drink or or a tea or whatever they were having, and and uh, and it was a, an atmosphere was building. But see, when they get into the ground, I noticed that it was a real nervous... Ner- both sets of supporters seemed really nervous about what was going to happen. Um, and I felt as if both of them wanted an opportunity to get their, get themselves into the game, supporters-wise. You know what I mean? So they could get really get behind their team. But because of the tempo that the game was played at, that was difficult early on. Now, those three points that, that Donegal re- reeled off at the end of the... Um, first half give them the opportunity to to um to get out for a little bit more, but it felt as if we never give the Armagh supporters a chance to get involved, and um that nearly happened at the start of the second half, but just didn't quite materialize. So, um I just felt their their energy Armagh's energy levels just weren't real, it felt they felt a little bit flat. But look, if you're not winning that initial ball in the middle of the field, and you're not getting any go forward ball. Um, especially for the first half, it's gonna feel it's gonna feel flat. You're gonna feel as if your backs are to the wall, and and Armaz backs were to the wall for uh, a considerable amount of that time. Yet, as I say, twenty five minutes, I looked at the scoreboard and I said, I am I'm really happy with the way this has gone.
2: I thought the atmosphere in Castle Bar was fantastic, Jason, as well, and it was. It was quite stunning to see the celebrations of the Galway management and the Galway players and indeed the Galway supporters after the game. It felt like a huge win for for Galway yesterday.
1: Yeah, and and so it should. You know, this is championship football and obviously in terms of the, the, the life of that management team, it was obviously a... A key, a key stepping stone on their journey because obviously, particularly in their last two games, it, it had not gone their well, their way, and then, um, if you if you factor in their last, their recent games against Mayo as well, so it definitely was a game that meant a lot, awful lot, and you could see that. And again, that brings its own challenges as well. And I think uh, Mr. Joyce was very, very quick in saying that after the game about we'll enjoy tonight, but we, we need to regroup, uh, straight away for for two weeks time, and and that again is part of the challenge and when when you say when you ask about kind of what are the positives you, you take out of a game in a lot of ways it, it, it's it, it can be a lot more positive on the losing side because now you know you're exposed in terms of where the the areas to work on are so for example if it's if it's a, a ball around the middle of the field, you, you have something to work on and go after. Whereas sometimes now, if you've won, there's an expectation that that's going to happen all the time. And even if you take Donegal McGee, he went off injured. who He was very key very early in that game. Is he even going to be fit the next day? I saw Comer was kind of limping as well big player for Galway so again these teams I suppose until they do it game after game there's still going to be question marks about them and uh, definitely I would see that uh, I, I think, I think that just,
2: point is I think that point is really important that that point that you find your work on Stuart so I want to I want to put this to you about Mayo Mayo won the, won the kickout contest with Galway they gave away fewer turnovers during the game in galway they conceded fewer frees than galway they had more attacks they had 40 attacks to galway's 27 they had more shots 31 to 22 so we'll leave aside the scoreboard for a second the key differential here was really really simple mayo lost the match because they got they had a 52% conversion rate on their shooting <clears throat> galway's conversion rate was 68% so when like you've analyzed mayo football played against them year after year for dublin right at right at right at the cusp with this team it seems
1: that they continue to fall short on the same thing um yeah but i also see a lot of admirable qualities about mayo the fact that they're they're still in the conversation they're still so prominent after the years of of coming so close and, and being on the wrong end of defeats. The fact that they got a trim in a league final and they're still back with five minutes to go back against the wall and they're still coming forward. There's something that you would love to have in, in any DNA of a team. But, but yeah, when you talk about the tactical, I suppose, elements to win a game, like you obviously are drawn to that in terms of that kind of, conversion and execution piece and um, it, do, it does bring up another kind of factor because again there's no right or wrong way to play the game of football and there's a big emphasis obviously aesthetically we love an open flowing game and attacking game but like as we know it's not about the beauty of how you play it's about getting results and there's such a, an opportunity cost with a lot of things you do from a tactical point of view, and I think Galway they set up a certain way yesterday, and I'm sure if they had, if they had looked at the the kind of the stats. Um, before the game, they probably would have been happy with that because they were going to concede kick out, They were going to concede the kick. They were going to sit back. They were going to force Mayo to kick from distance. So again, sometimes the stats they can be misleading as well. And I think the challenge for for a Mayo team is is is, is always going to be there. That they're they're always going to be questioned and challenged until they finally break through the door, which they've been been so close to do. And um, I think. Obviously, when they look back at the video, it's going to be that third quarter in particular where they're going to look back and and kind of question the, the execution of that that uh, part of the play. And I don't know. I don't know what the answer is with Mayo. Uh, they're, such a, they're a team based on emotion. And I think that can be a challenge. It brings its own challenges. Oisín played against my Dublin team that were, were built on emotion. And it was a very easy team to kind of stop and stifle. And Mayo have to kind of balance that kind of, playing with emotion, playing that kind of um, unscripted football, but then getting, getting the points on the board, getting the scores on the board to win a game. And again, for, for most teams, you would probably write them off for the rest of the year. But with Mayo, you, you just don't know. I, I would never write them off. They went 22 minutes in the second half
2: yesterday without scoring. And they looked they, they looked absolutely buried with a couple of minutes left. And Galway just were clinical, just moved it. Every time they went forward, they looked like they were going to score. And you thought Mayo were done. And you're right, like Mayo's qualities are, they're undeniable. The honesty, the the effort, they never stop trying. They absolutely never stop trying and they keep at it. But it seems to me still, if you keep failing in the same way, there's an issue here. Do you think the Mayo forwards uh would would you how would you coach them differently than they are being coached, or is there things that you would ask them are there things that you would ask them to do differently just from looking at at the at the matches
1: yeah well i think on, like uh, holistically though I, I think this thing about oh, actually you'll never win with them, but what's the option you know like it, it's we don't have a transfer market like the, the players are investing and, and sacrificing so much of their time to be the best that they can be, and that's so admirable. I think what, what the Mayo have done, and I think they played the most uh, new players in the league this year. Like So they have tried to transition and try to give game time. It, it definitely was apparent that injuries have, have impacted where they were yesterday in terms of the, the players that either didn't play or that got injured on the game. There was a couple of guys only back as well. So that's a factor as well. So I think in, in that sense, there's a lot of positives from Mayo over the next six weeks that they can uh, Increase their performance. I think then going back to um, the actual specifics of their offensive play, again they've they some great people in there. They, they've played in big games and they know what the challenges are. So um, I, I think my my perception of of Mayo is sometimes. Your your biggest strength can be a, your biggest challenge, and what I mean by that, if you take the Mayo half back line as an yeah. offensive uh, as an offensive um, threat. They're yeah, great carrying the ball They're great going forward But as myself and Oshin know If you have a half back that is running with the ball It means that you're going to have less space And it's going to be harder for you to get on ball So again, I've, I've always been challenged with that From a Mayo perspective Not even Mayo, just in football in general That if you've got guys that are coming from the back It creates challenges then for your forwards to get free And obviously you only had to look at the high behind last night And you could see that Galway had two, two extra players as well anyway, which may, may a ch- makes it challenging. So I, I suppose it, it is tough. I think that the, the, the biggest thing is to reassure and, and, and kind of bring confidence in your preparation. At the end of the day, all you can do is prepare to put the ball over when it counts. And and as a coach, that's all you can do. All you can do is empower your players to have the tactical and technical belief and ability to put the ball over when it counts. And then it's over to them. So I I, I don't think there'll be any magic sauce for for May over the next six weeks. It's just a case of regrounding themselves again and going at it, which, as they've shown in the past, they're well capable of doing. So,
2: So if we look at your specific story, though, from when you when you burst onto the scene first, are a game breaker by by being a goal scorer and your movement was incredible. By the time you finished though, you had become an excellent kicker of the ball and from from a kind of a point scorer. How did you do that?
1: Well, I wanted to be better. I wanted to be a better footballer, first and foremost. So, again, when I started playing with the senior football team, I would played with the Dublin minor team before that. And I hadn't really played Gaelic football regularly up to then. So I just wanted to be a better footballer. And believe me, I I had a lot of lessons um, in terms of defeats. So every time you got a defeat, you had to come back better. And obviously trying to score and, and, and be able to kick the ball either for scoring or passing. Uh, That was something that I wanted to invest time in. And I think even as a player, it it wasn't about like there's two elements. It's how you can be a better individual player, but also how can you make your teammates better? And I think the development of our team, I was lucky when I started, I was playing with some really top class quality players, tried and tested that, that that I was a luxury that I they were able to perform with me being on the pitch whereas by the end of, by the time I was kind of finishing I I felt I needed to help kind of get the likes Alan Brogan or Werner Brogan on the ball so that was probably more of the the tactical development or the the team kind of development I had in my head and again it's it's no different than any challenge of of any player uh trying to be the best player they are but also then trying to make their team better and and, and get them to perform to the best of ability and then specifically
2: in terms of Dublin's forward play did you
1: did you go into
2: individuals and try and improve their kicking or did you go into individuals and improve
1: their decision making how did you do this um, oh God, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't. If any coach thinks they do something, I, I'd, I'd question it. You know, ultimately, it's, the, it's down to players, and it's their care, and it's, I suppose, their intelligence and their belief and motivation to become better. Um certainly you'd like to think as a coach, you can maybe point out things in terms of what might assist, or you might get used to how a player pre- prepares and and how they do things well and, and what happens when they do well. And you might be able to kind of shine that mirror at them to reassure them and kind of build that confidence and faith in in what they do. Um, but again, I think th- the, biggest, the biggest compliment I would have for the, the guys that I worked with is that that no one was bigger than the team. They wanted Dublin to perform and they wanted to take the best option for Dublin. And I think what I love about what I've seen of Donegal, and it it isn't a coincidence, that goal yesterday, the the, the hand-pass goal in, that's something they've done regularly consistently now over the last few years and it's probably it, it aligns with my philosophy about doing what's what's the right option for the team and i think it's a great trait i think it's a great uh it's a great attribute to have in your team and even they got one if you if you look at langan's point at the end and i know it's so hard when you're in front of a goal and you see the whites of his eyes and you can see the headlines if he if he pauses for another second, he has a hand a little layoff to to his right hand side, and it's another team goal. So, again, as a coach, I suppose it's trying to kind of try to kind of um, make a player understand how okay, yeah, we want you to be the best you can be, but how can you actually make our team perform even better?
2: O'Shane, well, do Galway look like they're a team who could be dangerous through the rest of this championship? and I mean by dangerous, All-Ireland semi-finalists, All-Ireland finalists, and so on.
0: Dangerous if they if they keep progressing, Paul. I think they still have, there's still, a, still a, a, a good body of work to be done with them. I think yesterday will help them because I think it will, um, well, I think it'll help them as a, as a, it'll help the management team, and as a result of that, that will help the, um, the players because it, it's easier to set something when, you know, when it's worked. And I think that has been the, I think that's been a problem in in goal is is really uh, committing to a certain way of playing, um even if it's only the nuts and bolts of that or or the nucleus of what they want to do and they will tweak and they will change things and and they may not necessarily play in the same exact same way, uh but they're gonna come up against different challenges, you know when teams are gonna press them uh like. You know, Damien Comer seem to be the outball on a, on a lot of occasions for them. So, um, I still think they have work to do when in that initial possession when they are uh, pressed heavily. So, uh, I still think there's there's a there's a good body of work to be done as far as Galway concerned. But they're dangerous because if you have forwards who can convert, who think clearly when they're under pressure, um, and are able to to get scores out of very very little, um, create things are unselfish. Um uh, I think they're a dangerous proposition. Um but I still think they, they have a there's, there's a bit of bit of still a bit of work to be done in all of them to be real, real challengers.
2: If if we move uh to the Leinster Championship, Jason, Dublin make their seasonal bow this weekend away to a to Wexford. How do you rate where Dublin are at the moment?
1: Um it's it's hard to know. I think um it, in terms of the performances of the league, they were obviously uh, Armagh. The first day of the league showed showed a big gulf in terms of the performance that day, and I suppose slowly Dublin kind of improved up until the last day when I think there was this kind of acceptance that Dublin were going to go up to to Clonus and get a win. But from knowing from experience uh, in the height of our powers, we knew how hard it would have been to go up to to Clonus and get a get a victory up there in the National League. So, um, so no, it, it's, it's obviously from a supporter's point of view, there's a lot of questions. I think as players, I, I, it must be a great place to be. It, it, it's hard to believe that Dublin could be kind of coming under the radar. And that's how I feel. Potentially they could position this. Um, obviously, there's a lot of questions being asked about them, but at the end of the day, they've they've a lot of top quality players that have, have been there and done that. And I think if you if you put the, the best Dublin 15 down on paper versus any other team, they, they, they'll certainly match up quite well. So the challenge is for those guys is, is, is if they can if they can kind of embrace the challenge that they have. It, it's not about what they've done in the past. It's to be honest, it's not even what they've done in the league. It's about now can they get the focus can they get the preparation right for what they need over the next few months and in a lot of ways it's set up nicely for them to 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 prove a lot of people wrong and, and the doubters wrong. So I suppose I'll be interested to see how they uh, em- embrace that challenge. And it's actually, it's an interesting one starting off against Wexford. and I'm sure it's not ideal for you, Paul, but like Wexford last year, I think they played them and I think the performance that year, it, it wasn't great from a Dublin perspective and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the year. So in a lot of ways, they've a very similar challenge and it will be a good gauge straight away to see, what level they're at, um, and and it should give us some signs for the championship ahead. So
2: I met Rory O'Carroll um, out in UCD one day when he was Dublin, were maybe in year two of the of the five in a row team, and it was just before the first round of a Leinster football championship. And Dublin were I can't, I'm, I'm not going I can't remember which county they were due to demolish the following weekend, but it was quite clear that it was it was going to be a significant victory and I asked I was asking Rory about how do you prepare for a match like that how do you what's what what's your ambition here what do you think you're going to win by and he was a no no he was really clear about a really clear head it's not about anything other than the process and you know we laughed I I I kind of thought I, I was trying to wind him you know trying to get a bit of information out of him and saying no this process
1: what is that process um, well, I suppose the, the process it was—it was about well, one, we had the opportunity to represent Dublin, and I think for any county uh, team, that that kind of higher purpose, that uh, that connection with. What you're doing is, is so important and and that was the starting point why were we there and we were there to kind of perform in that jersey that not many people have, have a chance to do. I think the second thing was that it, this isn't a switch you can't just go from not performing to rocking into an All-Ireland quarter final so it was about performance and it was always about performance be it a National League game a, a training session, a, a Leinster Championship game it was about performance and I suppose we were lucky that it was was so competitive that players knew that this wasn't about uh uh yeah i can kind of mind myself and get ready for the next game it was about performing because if they didn't perform there was going to be questions asked and it was a great environment to be so again i, I very similar to what rory would say we we prepared like it was our last game it was our next game it was our it could be our last game and, and that's the way we looked at it and even from a coaching perspective I used to love looking back at some of those games. Of course, you like in in the Leinster Championship games, you might get two minutes on on the on the Sunday game or whatever. But there was some really good football that we played that we prepared for and practiced. That again, we were able to accentuate the positives of our preparation. We were also able to challenge for things that we didn't do as well in those games. Yet, going back to my point about the scoreboards. People might have seen a scoreboard being one-sided and thought, "Well, sure, there was no value in that." So, I suppose from a Dublin perspective at that time, that was that's what the process was for us. It was about just keeping in the present and appreciating and respecting the opportunity that we had.
0: Jason, but I, I think- remember, I remember a league final where um, uh, Philly McMahon had gone full length of the field and he'd had a, a shot with the outside of his boot, which probably wasn't his forte, but. Uh, Dave McConley, shortly after that was in under a Hogan stand playing in the hill and he had won with the outside of his, uh, of his left boot. And uh, I I seen uh, Cluxon was he was winning quite comfortably Um, and I don't have probably have the vocabulary but apoplectic is I think is a word that I would have used but he wasn't happy anyway. And the next thing the two boys uh, were taken off and is that the sort of is that the sort of standards or the sort of you know stuff that you're talking about when you think about um, trying to maintain those standards and and getting getting small things out of out of games like that.
1: Yeah, well, like I don't recall it to to, to the exact moments, but I've no doubt it happened, and I think. Yeah, it it would be a snapshot of, i suppose what we prided ourselves on and i suppose everyone knew their role and uh, going back to what i said earlier every, it was about doing the, the taking the best option for the team at that moment and again it wasn't about we weren't prescriptive in terms of you must do that or you can only kick from here or there we trusted we respected we gave we empowered the players to take what they felt was the best option for the team at that given time now again Sometimes, if if uh, guys didn't take those options, I suppose it wouldn't. It it would only be appropriate that we we actioned accordingly, because then how can you buy that, get that buy in and that consistency if we don't put value on what we feel is the right option for the team? So that that might have been an example of it, but certainly, yeah, the standards that those guys uh, play to and and the respect they had for each other was great. It, it made things a lot easier for us in, in terms of they kind of self-pleased what what were the right things that were meant to happen and again like you go back to Stephen and I know obviously he hasn't been around the last couple of years it's such a shame as a supporter not to be able to see him and 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 see what he does but certainly from a a person an individual who cares as a leader and to take a guy out of any environment like that is is obviously a, a big loss to have.
2: I should say by the way that in terms of what Rory O'Carroll Carl was saying, he's he 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 was talking exactly about that, about the importance of performance and not thinking about the result but about preparation, doing what it was right and to treating every minute of the match on its own terms. It wasn't it wasn't intended as 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 jargon. Um within within that sense. This idea though that Dublin Dublin would train the way you play. The primacy—it seems to me—a huge premium was put on Dublin training on skills development. Is—is—is is, is that a perception? Is that something that you did? Did you do walkthroughs on the field with with players as well, or was it very much uh, unscripted?
1: Um, no, I think. Uh, and again, you pick up things all over the place. And, and and obviously, Jim, like, there's a lot of articles about how where he looked for for inspiration and for. For uh, synergies and sports, and like one one that I picked up was, um, from American football point of view, the value of a good coach is is the coach that can put his players in different situations on the training pitch. To prepare them for for the real, real match so again the, the reality of dublin particularly in leinster is we mightn't have gotten the challenges that let's say Donegal or armagh or mayo or Galway got yesterday so we had to build that into our preparation in our in our training sessions and again how could how could we i suppose take our players out of comfort zones how could we build in that resilience and that kind of appreciation for when when the time comes that they, they do take the, that they won, they see what the challenge is that the, whatever that challenge is presented and then they understand what are the tools to unlock unlock that challenge so that was the really cool thing about um, I suppose coaching a team like that that we were able to come and kind of craft challenges for them in terms of situations that they might fa- face and encounter and then what was really what was really nice is when those situations happened which they did in games like as much as Dublin were dominant for a number of years there were a lot of games particularly the later games that could have gone either way and it was just it was very satisfying to see players kind of understanding what was in front of them and then figuring it out for themselves so so to your to your question paul yeah we we, we, we kind of threw everything at it in terms of when you look at the tactical preparation the tactical the physical piece we looked at all of those kind of um Parts of the game and and saw how how we could challenge our players and how we could prepare them. Um, but the biggest part was the psychological piece. It's between the years. Um, that that to me, I think, is the difference between the good and the great. And it's the guys that can understand and appreciate what what's in front of them, what is required. Uh, the likes of the Michael Murphy, when he's able to put that hand pass in front of the guy, the like of um. Yesterday, Shane Walsh being able to kick the three forty fives when they're under pressure. Like it's having the mindset to be able to execute the skill at the time. Uh that to me is the real kind of um the, the fine line between the good and the great.
2: Do you think Dublin will win the All Ireland this year?
1: I think they have the capability of winning it. Um, I've dealt with enough of those players to know the caliber of them and know the capability of them. Um, I think what this is, and I, I suppose, in, in a lot of ways, I'm I'm I, I, I'm disappointed that we never got the kind of challenge from a. Um, a defeat perspective we, we won I was only involved for five championships and we won all so a lot of people
2: disappointed you didn't get that <laughs> well
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that but I suppose in my selfish coaching way because I do feel that 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 defeat like that that kind of as ushean said there like that point of leaving a game in bally buffet yesterday and having to scratch your head and kind of question yourself question your values question everything you've done like there's so much growth in that um you do need to be humble like it is a game at the end of the day there's no guarantee any any day you go, go out so i think to have that opportunity to be able to say, right, there's no expectation here, there's there's no divine right that we're going to win, that, that's a great way, place to be. So I think the challenge, and obviously we won't know what's gone on behind the scenes now, but the challenge is how the preparation has gone since since the league and, and moving into the championship to see if they if they are moving the right way. But but certainly to your question, have, have they the capability of winning All-Ireland? Absolutely. You never lost a championship match as a coach with Dublin, but I want to. I lost a lot as a player, <laughs> my, my <laughs> more than my fair share. <laughs>
2: the league final against Kerry is the only thing that comes to mind where I think was a serious day, and you lost by a point if I remember correctly. Was how did you go about? How did you go about dealing with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, and we probably didn't deserve it, but Dean had a, had a free kick at the end that I think hit the post. And and to be fair, Dean, as a player, I think he took a lot of learnings out of that as well. But I think as a management team, yeah, it, it kind of annoyed us. Um, it certainly, it certainly grounded us. And definitely looking back on it, it's, it, it, it's tough because to have an opportunity, I think it was to win four or five leagues at the, at the time in a row, like, that, that doesn't happen overnight. That takes a lot of accumulative kind of uh, performances. Um, but the one thing I would say, looking back on it, without that defeat, I don't think as a coaching team and as a management team we would have gone on and and kind of prepared as well as we did in championship without that defeat. So um, again, it goes back to that point that there's so much learnings from a, from a defeat and what you do if you can reflect on it honestly and critically. Amongst yourselves and and extract the stuff that you need to bring with you moving forward.
2: We've um we've we, we've discussed the Dublin team that the five, the five six in a row team quite a lot obviously over the last couple of years and one of the discussions we have over is who is the key player on that team outside of the goalkeeper. So I'll ask you the question: Who is the key player on that team outside of the goalkeeper?
1: Uh, it's number thirty six. Number thirty six is the key player, like, and that that will go to even the backroom team because you are only as strong as your your weakest link. And I think the culture that Jim kind of engineered was that everyone felt that they had a part to play. So it's a bit like that NASA saying, in "The caretaker, what do you do? I I help people. I help put people on the moon." I think that was the philosophy. That was the culture that we had in Dublin. That we all felt we had a part to assist and support the performance. Because if at any stage that team thought it was about one or two players, we were in trouble. And again, I think it's to 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 Jim's credit, like I know people criticize and say, yeah, i sure you had the strength and depth in the panel, which is absolutely fair. We had a lot of highly talented players. But at the same time, we had those players that were willing to sacrifice their own game and their own ego to come on and do a job, be it 70 minutes or, or, or 70 seconds. And I think, to, to your question, I think, um, yeah, every, every player was was as important as each other. Was there ever in the camp? Absolutely. You'd need that. Just, you, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't grow if there wasn't. And I think sometimes... Victories can kind of, um, I suppose, deflect that because we think everything is going well. So that's why it's important that you do challenge performances, challenge challenge the victories as much as the defeats, because you do need to, you do need reality. You don't want to be kind of fixated on the scoreboard. So um, yeah, I think uh, like constructive conflict is good, and um, I think that that challenges that probe. So uh, certainly, I think. Any successful team, you need an element of com- of conflict.
2: So that team is hugely identified with Jim Gavin, and I know there was a big backroom team there, and I know you had uh, all the players who were involved in the talk about your role. The players that I've spoken to from that team talk about how instrumental you were in 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 the whole setup. But did, were in terms of selections, did you ever look at a selection of certain players on certain days and just fundamentally disagree with it?
1: um well i was lucky that like i suppose i had a part in in that process and i think uh, again selections of teams selections of panels didn't they weren't folly you know they were they were very well taught they were very well considered And ultimately, it came down to what we felt was best for Dublin on on any given day in terms of the challenge that we had in front of us, in terms of allowing Dublin to perform to the best of their ability, either starting the game or finishing the game. And that was the criteria. So it didn't really matter whether I disagreed or agreed. Ultimately, I respected, yeah, we're doing that for the betterment of the team on on any given day. So, um, and again, yeah, I'm sure of no doubt we got things wrong. And again, I can go back, I can think back at games where we had to make substitutions early in games where we, in hindsight, we reflected upon it and we were much better prepared then for, for further team selection and panel selection. So like, it, it was just embracing that challenge and, 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 and taking the learnings from, from any given situation. Who made was the substitution? It,
2: what, what? Sorry, Just one more question on this. Who made the substitution decisions for Dublin? How were the decisions arrived at?
1: In a lot of ways, the decisions make their the make themselves in terms of how a game is going and, and, and decisions tactically that need to happen. Um, I suppose a, a bit like Oshin there, Derry's, the headphones and the microphone, I think poor Joyce had two ear devices yeah, yesterday. Did, yeah, so, um, so I was lucky. We, we only really had myself decky and jim i only even though we were in front of eighty-two thousand people they were the only kind of two voices i had to put up with so um so yeah like like all coaches you have to you have to take the data that you have you have to kind of see what's going on tactically but ultimately then you you have to kind of make moves based on what you're seeing in front of you and um yeah we 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 were lucky that we we kind of generally we got we got things right and 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 um that the, the the substitutions and tactics that were were were, were changed kind of added and improved performances over the years.
0: I was just thinking about about the, the picking the panels when you were talking about that, Jason. Um, there was never any emotion went into that, from what I seen. You know, looking at the twenty six, because I was looking at a couple of times where I thought, you know, Bernard Brogan was coming towards the end of his career and he'd been left out of a couple of panels and. I, I actually did. It wasn't an emotional thing for me, but I could see how people would see it as an emotional thing. And I just thought that maybe he, he could come on and do a job for you in some of those games. But obviously you knew more. You guys knew more because um, you were watching him training. But was there ever any emotion went into that process?
1: Um, you, you had to explore it. And part of it, when you, when you talk about whether you should play a guy or you should put a guy in a panel, you have to talk. the the whole piece, the holistic piece, and obviously emotional is a big part. And particularly in that, in our last year, 2019, because obviously it was an emotional year no one had ever won five in a row so it would be we had to accept that that was part of all our decisions in terms of what was going on um, and and yeah you, you like us all we can all be guided by our hearts and we can all feel that we know what the right thing is to do but um that's going back to that kind of constructive conflict it was great to be able to kind of challenge each other and question each other in terms of what our thoughts were not why we're thinking it but how you're coming to that decision, and uh, yeah, certainly there were times, and like, I believe me, there was more time spent on number kind of 20 to 26 a lot of the times than there was one to 15 and that's just the nature of a game when you've got 36 guys busting their ass like tuesday thursday saturday and they're not even going to get on a bus you know it's important that we pay enough respect and attention to who we actually who we choose in that regard so um yeah definitely i suppose our, our, our our ultimate our criteria our grounding was always what's best for dublin in this situation so i'd like to think when when we Did pick a panel any panel if you look back at it it was based on on the opposition in terms of the threat that they might have and then obviously it was based on how we could have our best performance and, and and that was the criteria
2: i see um you went playing golf with jim gavin last month um what
1: did you talk about we didn't talk about football anyway that's one thing um yeah, no, it was good to catch up with Jim. Um, obviously, like all these things, you spend so much time with, with people, special people, and then life gets in the way again. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been very busy work-wise. He He's been playing a bit of golf and, He's invested a lot of his his Dublin time with his family, which is great for him and um, from a personal level. So, uh, yeah, Jim was in in good form, and uh, yeah, his his golf has come on. I have to say, it's it's a lot harder to take that fiver off in these days.
0: <laughs> you stalking these people, Paul?
2: Oh yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I have a surveillance network around the <laughs> a, a, around the city. Um, so, mm. what we do, Jason, every time during the championship is we look at. Um, the results of uh, forthcoming matches and Oshin. Um, Oshin had uh, he had a brilliant league. Um, he more or less called the league spot on. I'm,
0: I'm basically armor. Yeah, yeah. So this week he um, he. Paul, before before we go on the predictions, can can you tell me about? Can you talk to me about awfully because we seem to have skirted over that one a little bit. Oh,
2: oh, um. Uh, i suppose i find it i find it hard to talk about offly because i've known the lads who are in the panel and um i i think it was really really disappointing <clears throat> that the county was on had momentum from last year winning the under 20 and i think that's been squandered i think promotion from from being relegated from division two was a setback. I think the nature of the relegation in particular was a setback. I don't think I I was thinking about this earlier. I think um, I'm really fortunate in the job I have. I love the job I have because it's, it's teaching history and it's been involved in history and it's based around evidence and it's based around facts and the analysis of evidence and of facts and the basic facts are that offley lost with all due respect to exford the team that came third in division 4 of the national football league and lost to that team yesterday yesterday and that's the first point the second point of it is offley only had 23 fit players togged out yesterday they didn't have a sub goalie on the bench they ended up with a lot of injuries to be fair they ended up with a lot of injuries but it does not seem to me that that is the best team that awfully can field that, that the, the best players in the County are not in the field. And we've spoken a lot about this in over recent years. And we, we mentioned it, for example, in the context of down and in the context of down, down have had some incredible number of players have been processed through the senior football team over the last couple of years. And, I, I I think Alfie had a very light panel yesterday, and that that's not a good sign.
1: But even on that, Paul, and, and I mentioned it earlier about why would players commit and dedicate? They're asked to go slogging from October, November through the, the muck and the all that kind of sacrifice their Christmas and all that to to try and have a good league when really this is the time of year you want our best most talented footballers and hurlers playing the game that they love you know and it's it's such a shame that as you say all the good work and Offley are one example of numerous teams Leash another team that obviously wanted to have a great year it's such a shame in my opinion that we're going to lose so much talent because the the proposition isn't there. You know, why would these players do it? And I do think just a little tilt of the of the system and the structure will enhance the games. It will it'll allow our talent want to play a bit more and ensure that. Listen, it's not going to be about one day in the sun. It's a, it's going to be about a journey that you're able to go with with your county.
2: So I really, really fundamentally agree with that. I I I, I completely agree that the structure that has been introduced now just simple, simply doesn't work. The calendar of play doesn't work. And I, I do agree in large measure to create more windows for, for club football. I to, I'm totally supportive of that. But the balance of games that are played in January and February makes a mockery to me of good qualities. And and I, I it's a totally different type of football. I would actually wonder as well. I was just thinking about this as well. There's a huge amount of football played in heavy ground. And I think this turned to people playing on hard ground. The ground seemed to me to harden up in about 10 days this year. It just went from being really boggy to being really hard. And I think a lot of the injuries that are going around at the moment are, are partly a consequence of that for all the people talk about sports science. But it, it's it's the structures are not conducive to development. And I the Tolton Cup starts in four weeks' time. It goes into a... a a knockout format i actually i i'm really struggling to see how that's going to work for counties where where losing in the this week and last week is a real knock
1: yeah i i and again i don't i don't think i don't think the taulcong cup is the problem i think it could be part of the solution but i think i think we need as many teams and counties at the top table first before we kind of move. But again, I think where we're all coming from is we all care about Gaelic football and the the, the sustainability of, of that. And it's just, I just... I, I'm in, I've i been in a privileged position where we didn't have to knock on people's doors players' doors to come to training because they wanted to do it but I've no doubt that is a challenge amongst a lot of counties and it shouldn't be that way players should be able to inherently intrinsically see the value of representing their county but I would just question whether that's there at the moment unfortunately
2: I, 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 I think that's right and we're going to run through these we're going to run through these predictions um, Wexford, Dublin Jason Dublin Dublin Oisin
0: Dublin
2: You're one for one Um, uh, Mead Wicklow in Navan
0: Mead Mead Uh,
2: Kildare Loud in Tullamore
1: It'll be a good one but I I think Kildare um, I I hope Kildare are able to build on what they've shown this year
2: Oisin Kildare Loud.
0: Uh, the in-laws probably don't listen to the podcast anyway because they hear enough from me, but um, <laughs> uh, they'll not be pleased. But I, I just think I, I think Kildare. I think you know I've seen a good bit of Kildare this year in Division One and probably slightly unlucky and end up where they ended up. So I think Kildare, yeah, I think Kildare should should have a bit to spare.
2: Um, and Westmead Longford Jason, which is in Mullingar. <laughs>
1: Um, like I think home advantage is a big advantage in in those type of games. Um, and again, yeah, like I've what I've seen of Westmead over the last couple of years, I, I like what they're trying to do. So I'll go Westmead,
2: okay. Monaghan down in Clonus. That's me, yeah. Sorry, Jason, yeah, Monaghan down
1: yeah I think if Monaghan can, can build on what they did in, in the league particularly their last game um, I, I, I'd go Monaghan
2: So oshin I didn't ask you Westmead Longford Westmead Longford and then Monaghan down
0: Longford have a great ability of <clears throat> of turning the tables on, on the legs of Westmead so I'll go for Westmead um, Monaghan to beat to beat down, down the down thing doesn't seem to be going well at all um, and that like as much as even what's going on behind the scenes, uh, more so what's happening on the pitch, because uh, they were they were really poor in a lot of those games. And the night that they play Galway, they never raise a gallop at all. So uh, they have a couple of they have a couple of brilliant players. We, young Andrew Gilmore has come in, done well, and Barry O'Hagan with kick points all day. Full back, the new full back Callum, I can't remember his surname, but uh, great full back, but. Mullen will have too much of
2: them. Um, Oshin, uh, are you working on Derry Tyrone at the weekend? Yeah. Looking
0: forward to it. it. I'm
2: sure I <laughs> say you're absolutely hanging out for it. Um who's gonna win it? Uh,
0: if you I would have been I would have been really quite if you asked me this start of the league, halfway through the league, <laughs> I think Derry have done themselves a bit of a favour with the way they finished the league in that. There's not as much um, talk about them uh, beating Tyrone. They have a chance. They'll be very, very stubborn. Kieran McFall is such a loss to them. Somebody who can kick points from distance. Somebody who can break that first lane of defence. And um, he was very good last year, if you remember, against Donegal. Yeah. Um, I think his loss is, is huge. But I think, in general, um, it'll suit Derry in the the, the, the they're probably not just as favoured as, as they were earlier in the year but I just think Tyrone I think the first game, normally in, and also when you get uh, pulled out in the preliminary round you just go, oh no, nightmare but uh, I think Tyrone needed that game against Roman, and I think even in in, uh, in in winning that game they'll still have learned a good bit about themselves a few players come back from injury uh, I think Tyrone will, will win a couple, a couple of points
2: and I'll ask you, Oshim, while you're there, Roscommon Sligo. Roscommon. Common. Jason, can I ask you about Ross Common Sligo? Who do you think will uh who do you think will win that one?
1: Yeah, I think the, the challenge for Ross Common is that they don't take their eye off the ball. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of loose talk in Roscommon today, thinking we're now playing Galway, who we've beaten twice. So they're they're probably that will be part of the challenge is to keep their keep the focus on what's in front of them. Um obviously Sligo will be Will be bringing a lot of spiritual, um, I suppose, motivation. And I just want to um, mention Red O. He, I'm, I'm in DCU, so my my thoughts were with the family and, and friends and club down there. And I'm sure, like they're under 20s, they'll bring a lot of emotional, uh, um, positivity and, and energy with that. But certainly, yeah, I think if if Ross Common can continue to keep grounded, uh, there's no reason why why Ross Common won't win that game.
2: Yeah, we associate ourselves with those comments as well. And finally, the two Munster matches, Tip Waterford Jason, and Claire Limerick. Tip waterford and Claire Limerick.
1: Um, yeah, I suppose, like, just from what I know of, of Claire over the last number of years, they've, they've done so well. I think they've put... Punched far above their their weight over the the years, um obviously with the likes of Brennan and Tuberty. Brennan now moved on, but I'd certainly, I, I'd probably have a, a bias to 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 want and Claire Claire to win. I think tip. Then they've they've had a transitional period. Obviously, having the once you have a really high, I suppose you, you do get back more grounded to where your your real level is. So again, I wouldn't see a whole lot in that game. And um, but yeah, you would expect. Uh, you, I, I'd I'd expect Tipperary to, to get through.
2: Answered. Uh, 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 Tip, uh, Walford, and Clare Limerick.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go Limerick. Uh, Seeing soon... that. Them a couple of times this year. I was impressed by them, um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, rogue on you, Paul. I'm gonna go Waterford to
2: to, to beat Tipperary. Sure, this is this is desperation stuff. Um, so so Jason, just to finish up, a one-word answer to this. Um, Ushin's view is that um, Tyrone will win the All Ireland. He thinks Tyrone are going to put back to back. A one-word answer. Who do you think is going to win the All Ireland?
1: Depends. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, you may go more than one word. So <laughs> <laughs> it it
1: depends. Uh, yeah. No, I I, I think I, I think it's set up. I think it's great as a fan. I think there's so there's so much in this championship. I think even looking at Donegal and Galway yesterday, they showed the, the level that they can get to, and I definitely think there's a lot of teams that feel they can. The one, obviously, the big one for me is Kerry. Can, can they deal with, the, I suppose, the expectancy of, of winning in All-Ireland? Because to be fair, we've been here before over the last couple of years and they haven't performed to the level that they've been. And then, obviously, more closer to home, it's, it's how Dublin respond to the adversity they've had over the last year or so. Um, so that's why I think it depends. Can't, can't disagree with that statement.
2: Thank you to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to R- Raf Rocca, to Jack Neville, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport. A huge thanks to watching, and especially to Jason for, for joining us today. Thank you very much. We'll be back soon. A, a, a grain of rice, a, a, a grain
0: of rice it's going to tip the scale. Just remember that. Then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come
2: on, Mayor, you have got to get Andy Moran into the game. Lift